you ever hear the tragedy of Darth Plagueis the White? Darth Plagueis is the Dark Lord of the Sith. So powerful and so wise, he can use the Force to influence the midi-chlorians to create... Together, we can rule the galaxy as father and son. You may want to rule as father and son, but this here is no place for a Padawan. This is the dark side. This is Sith Dark. Everything is proceeding as I have foreseen. <laughs> Another happy landing. Ladies and gentlemen, Sith and Jedi, rebel scum and loyal to the Empire, this is Sith Talk, the show where we are not afraid to get into the nitty-gritty of Star Wars. We'll talk for an hour about Obi-Wan and Vader and Obi-Wan again, and we will get into all of the fine details. I'm your host, Zach Chrisman, and joining me is, announcement here, our very new co-host brandon brandon how you doing hello there what's going on guys or guy i guess it's just you here but there's other people that are hopefully going to listen to this i don't know i don't know who wants to listen to us run our mouths but we're gonna do it we're gonna do it (laughs) i'm doing good and and before we even get into this episode i do want to address the elephant in the room um sammy b has been co-host with me for Sith Talk, I believe since 2018 was our first episode. We had been going on and doing this show for a long time. Um, Sam is a super busy guy. And, you know, I mean, everybody's busy in life. But he had reached a point where, you know, life just kind of really took him away from here. And so... Me and Sam are still really good friends. I love Sam. Um, We're actually going to be spending some vacation time together in December. Um, And Sam will, I would predict, return um, whenever he feels like it. But right now, Sammy B is off on Naboo, taking a nice sabbatical. And we wanted to, or at least I wanted to at least address that Sammy B still loves Star Wars. I still love Sammy B. Sammy B can come back to this show anytime Sammy B wants, but while Sammy B's off taking a sabbatical, I had to ask my friend, the great Brandon Broylan, to join me in the show because since we've joined Clashing Sabres, um, Sit Talk, there has been a lot of camaraderie with everybody here, but me and Brandon had spent a lot of the a lot of time together talking about Star Wars and we have I think something very interesting to offer because our brains sometimes go two completely different ways and sometimes they're uh, aligned um, that's not why I chose him the reason why I chose him was because actually I really like the guy and I want to talk some shit with him so you know we brought him in and Brandon um, it's it's awesome to have you join me doing this show. Yeah, I'm excited, man. Um, this is a good one. It's nice doing Sith Talk because this is this is a show where we don't really do a lot of prep. You know, this is kind of a what's on your mind, what's happening lately kind of thing, which is uh, it's a refreshing thing to do when, you know, the other shows that I'm doing, you know, of course, take more prep time with Clashing Sabres and, and preparing the different topics that we're going to be talking about. And then, of course, Don't Burn, you've got the books to read and everything like that. So this is kind of more of a fun uh, kickback and, and have a drink and enjoy talking about Star Wars things. So it's a fun aspect of my fandom to, to get to experience. And, you know, to to credit, you know, Sam kind of had that idea because in the beginning I would I would start off by, you know, kind of coming up with massive lists. And then, you know, I, I would probably spend, you know, 40 minutes just accumulating the news and kind of going in between of what and then we never use any of it. And so we just always found that, like, 
getting into the life is so crazy busy and star wars is uh the most fun when you find yourself in conversations that you didn't know you would end up being so like for saying uh the last uh episode of clashing sabers i was on i think the idea was uh we're going to talk about the future of star wars and what we're excited for and we ended up talking about the high republic for like the third first 30 minutes and I think that's the the kind of thing I want to embody on this show, um, and and that's that's something that I I've always really liked the the real deep dives and the not really know where you're going. So for those uh, everybody listening who has listened to us over the years, um, this is nothing but the beginning, at least for me. And I am so grateful to have Brandon on board with me and. Uh, I don't. I don't really like dragging stuff out. So you know, everything's good. Everything is uh, great. Me and Sammy B, still good friends. We all still love him here at Clashing Sabers. And yeah, let's let's just turn the new page and get right into the shit. Brandon, how have you been? Is there been any Star Wars stuff on your mind lately? Is there anything that you've been maybe actively doing that's Star Wars related? Um, right now I'm kind of catching up on, on other shows and podcasts, um, listening to, uh, Wampa's Lair and Larger View of the Force and some other shows that we love here. Um, reading Ronin, still kind of working my way through that, uh, very, very, very slowly. And I guess one could say surely because eventually I'm going to get to the end of the book. Um, that's not a knock on the book to be clear. That's just life is overwhelming right now and I haven't had a lot of time to read. Um, so that's been a lot of fun. Um, and then preparing for our fundraiser, dude, I've got so many cool prizes sitting in our, or in my closet for, for our fundraiser that we're going to be running, uh, coming in December. So that's taking a lot of time, um, there. And, uh, yeah, I mean, that's kind of, kind of my Star Wars world lately is just kind of trying to keep my ducks in a row, I'm excited for, I've got a, a week off for Thanksgiving, and I'm excited to catch up on my reading, and uh, I have a, um, it's called the Odyssey of Star Wars book in my closet, that's going to be down the road, but I'm very excited to read it, and it's a, um, it is Star Wars told in the poetic format of the Odyssey, um, with the different structures like that, and, and as I, did you read any of the Shakespeare Star Wars books? Star, uh, no, I, I have not. Okay, those are a lot of fun. I read a lot of them back to back. Like, I would read like two or three of them, and then I read another two or three of them, or whatever it may be. Um, and it's a lot of fun until like you, you get over not overwhelmed with it, but you kind of get over it because it's like, all right, I know what's going to happen, and now you're just saying it in weird ways, you know, that or you're not right. used to. Yeah, exactly. and uh, so I'm hoping since this is it appears to me just from the cover that i've seen um if you know me you know i don't really read the back of star wars books anymore because i'm gonna read it anyways um, right. and so i'm excited to get into it and see how they tell the story and i always like looking at different like aspects of the story and seeing like what do they focus on what stands out here what uh what are they emphasizing and different things like that um so you know if you've read the shakespeare star wars ones there's obviously like a lot of emphasis on the conversations that the characters have and not so much the battles themselves because you're telling it in a, you know, time and place where you can't have all these special effects and lightsabers and things like that. So you have to really focus on the characters. So I will report back on that, but uh, yeah, that's what's been, been on my mind lately. Um, you know, it's it's kind of funny. I'm still having, and I don't know why, I'm still having trouble pressing play for Ronan. I'm kind of in this weird state where it's like, I always jump to Star Wars books uh, whenever they come out. Uh, and Ronan definitely seems to be like something that I would love. I'm just like, I don't know why I'm struggling to press play on the, on the book. Because I, I mean, for all you guys know, I listen to books. I don't have, I don't really have time to read and when i read it's comics at night but i'm ha i'm having a hard time pressing play on ronin and i i just can't seem to face it but i did uh per our last conversation with drew i did start to pick up the high republic comics again 
and working those into my nightly routine. And I have to say, um, these these comic books are getting uh, much better. And I think the Drengar, I think I finally understood why we've gotten more of the Nihil side in the books and more of the Drengar in the comics. And it's because it makes 100% sense. Uh, they are so visually, they take visual hold over the, the page itself and they control the visual side of it that it's really hard to describe what they do and the power that they have. They're very visual villains. And I didn't realize until last night when I had finished a particular arc, um, which is pre-fair. Uh, I forget, what's the planet? Pre-the-fair. Uh, Valo. Pre-the-Valo fair, um, where they're fighting the Drangar. And I couldn't help but, like, Ario does such a good job drawing these things that it kept me, like, I, I've been trying to go to bed and get better sleep, but, like, which I normally get great sleep anyway, but, you know, I was going to try and go to bed at 10.30, and I ended up staying at 11 just to try and finish this arc um, because it's so gorgeous. So that's really, I mean... I don't know. It's just, it, it kind of, it made sense to me. And I hear, do you think the high Republic is successful in star Wars right now? Overall? I would say so. Um, I think we're still very much at the beginning, but I think kind of what you're talking about is a testament to the high Republic and just overall, um, the storytelling that they're doing with star Wars, that they are picking, the format based on the story that they are telling, they're not telling the story based on the format that they have. Right. So like, if you go back to like some of the big hitters, like the Vader comic, the um, Charles Sewell run of the Vader comics or the rise of Kylo Ren comic, like those are very visual books um, where, yeah, you could describe it in a certain way, um, in a book, you could definitely like obviously do it in a show or whatever, but when you do it on the comic page, it gives you that time to marinate and really look at the details of the picture and stuff like that, uh, that I think adds depth to it. And, you know, I, I'm not remembering, like, I remember visually the Vader comic when he goes into like the, for lack of a better term, the other world to try to chase after Padme, right? Um, that was very visually stunning. But the Rise of Kylo Ren is one of my favorites. I've read it three or four times. And uh, just the angst that you get on his face and stuff like that. Like, you're obviously not going to get, you know, uh, Adam Driver to do, you know, this m weird middle movie <laughs> for Kylo Ren, right? That's not going to happen. So if you can't do that, then I think in that case, the next best format is comics because you can see that pain and you can see the things that make Kylo a character that we all for the most part are, are drawn to is that angst and stuff that Adam driver brings um, to the story. And so I think the same can be said for, for what you're talking about here um, where if you have a visual villain, like the Dren gear, like don't put it in a book, you know? And that was one thing with uh what was it called out of the dark is that the one the claudia uh, gray one with the drink uh, man it was uh into the dark into, into the, the dark. dark into the dark yeah that was one thing that kind of made that book challenging for me was that introduction of the dren gear and i think claudia gray does a great job of it um but i do think you know having these very different kind of villains than we've had before in star wars and not being able to see them properly and see them moving and see that it takes a little bit away from it. Um, so I would say, yeah, I would say thus far, if I had to pick a failure in the High Republic, I would say the Tempest Runner, Runner audio drama, not because it's not a good story or that it's not well produced or anything like that. But I think that one is the one where they tripped up. And I think that would have been better served as a comic or a book because you're jumping timelines and there's all kinds of things happening and in that case you know we kind of talked about this a little bit on clashing sabers but the the sound effects are kind of overwhelming at times the voices start to sound very similar so they're trying to create these parallels that i think would have been better served to be 
to be visual than to be audio. But other than that, like I've been very pleased. I don't think there has been a single High Republic book um, that I haven't enjoyed. Well, the the reason that I ask is, you know, I I listen to a lot of movie um, movie shows like um, reviews, movie well not reviews but like movie announcements. I'm very up with Hollywood business, and you know when when they were mentioning about stuff about Rogue Squadron, which I'm sure we'll talk about a little bit in a little bit here. Um, you know, pe- fans had kind of perched up to this certain pundit about the High Republic. And he was saying along the lines that he doesn't think the High Republic has done shit. And I would disagree because I think that the High Republic is serving its purpose and there's a little bit of a detail that's kind of sitting on the low. I think what is going on with the High Republic is actually pretty pretty beautiful because they're starting off with the novels and the comics, which is the smallest point in Star Wars. Like, when it comes to Star Wars, there's the movies, there's the video games, then there's the books, then there's the comics. And they're starting on the lower end and kind of test-trialing this. But an interesting report would suggest that the High Republic's not doing bad. One, you know, we know that they keep releasing more. And they're doubling down on it because it seems like this next year we're getting a, a shit ton more. They've had a consistent release of this stuff in waves. And um, a new report that's kind of sitting under the radar of Hollywood right now is uh, a, a it's it's a rumor, but it's from a very li- reliable source, which I've always used, which is StarWarsNewsNet.com. I've always used these guys whenever they talk about anything. They only talk about sources that they actually, you know, have really heard from inside. And there's a rumor update on the future of Star Wars film projects. The High Republic era movie might be coming first. Lucasfilm reportedly has a replacement in in mind for the now-delayed Rogue Squadron film. And it's believed to be set... It was believed to be set in the Old Republic era. However, new info has suggested that it could be in set, instead set in the High Republic era as a tie-in to Lucasfilm's publishing efforts and the forthcoming Disney Plus series, The Acolyte. Um, Lucasfilm reportedly plans to do both, but with the High Republic taking the lead on priorities. What do you think about that? Because it's flying under the radar. I mean, nobody's talking about it, but this is from yeah. a very liable place. Yeah, I mean, yes, they have a good reputation. I I really, and this is not a knock on Star Wars News Net or anybody else who puts Star Wars news and, and rumors out. Well, I wouldn't say anybody, but anybody who is attempting to do it in a, a, a manner of integrity. Um but I just really, like, I really don't put any weight behind something that doesn't have any official source on it. Or, like, it it's easy, like, it's easy for anybody to say, like, an inside source. Like, okay, but what, right. how do you define that inside source? Like, are you talking about the catering guy, like, overheard something and told his uncle? Right. Or are you getting this from Taika Waititi or Dave Filoni? Like, they're... <clears throat> The journalistically, like protecting your sources and all of that stuff is is super important when you're looking at the grand scale of like keeping governments in check and uh, making sure that, you know, people are able to vote with uh, good information and things like that. So like journalistically, like I do support not putting your sources out there if they don't want to be out there. But when you're talking about the world that we live in now we're kind of that kind of also digs a hole for us where anybody can be a source for anything because you have the internet so you you could literally like call somebody and be like hey yeah like these numbers on the high republic and like pull up how many books have come out or whatever like i'm making this up on the fly but you could come up with this stuff and just say that it's from the inside and who knows like what's your actual evidence for it other than you apparently heard it? And again, this isn't a knock on anybody putting that out there, but that's just kind of what I think about. And 
it would make sense that a High Republic movie would be something that they would want to do. And at the same time, it makes no sense. Right. Because they've got the story already outlined. So if you're bringing a movie in, like you said, like it's the tentpole. Okay, so now are you readjusting your entire story around this movie? Or is this movie going to be insignificant in the grand scale of the High Republic? Because there's no middle ground there. Right. And to clarify, when it comes to me and my sources, usually it's it's either Hollywood Reporter, Variety, or with Star Wars, I will go to StarWarsNewsNet.com because usually when they're wrong, they they will correct it and take it down, and they're not wrong that often. Not to say that this couldn't be wrong. I just found this one a little bit interesting um, when it comes to the, the topic of the High Republic. Uh, it's it, it, it doesn't... It, it makes sense in the High Republic part. In the film part, I don't know what the hell's going on with film. I don't know what's going on with Star Wars at this point when it comes to film. Um, I know that the shows are doing, you know, like John Favreau and Dave Filoni are doing a phenomenal job with The Mandalorian. We're hearing, you know, all these shows are, are wrapping, you know, Obi-Wan wrapped. Andor's about wrapped. Are they, they're shooting Ahsoka soon, I believe, or they've already started now possibly something like that i think it's 2023 so it'll be if it's not happening already it'll start happening in the new year right they they shot you know book of both fets ready mandalorian shooting uh i believe early january so that stuff is just like tried and true boom 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 because they got some really good guys in there running that show but with the films i bring up the high republic because i do i'm generally uh I generally want to know, wanted to know your thoughts on the High Republic if it was big enough to have a movie um, of its own because I find it original, an original story and a really good jumping off point. But it also kind of goes into my next thing: what is the plans for Star Wars? I mean, for Star Wars movies particularly. I mean, the games are getting down. The uh, High Republic seems to be a success on the books, but we really don't have any new news on the movies. I want to clarify that anything I say here is respectful. Um, any of my negative attitudes will also be, uh, you know, outweighed by by clear positive ones. Um, this is a respectful conversation about what the hell is happening over at Lucasfilm. What is happening after the cancellation of Rogue Squadron? Because now there's stories coming out saying they couldn't agree on a story that was greenlit. And now Kathleen Kennedy signed, you know, another three-year deal. What, before I get into it, my buddy, Brandon, uh, what is your thoughts about Kathleen Kennedy getting another three-year deal? I'm I'm a fan of Kathleen Kennedy. Um, I feel like... She has done a, like, obviously, there's undeniable speed bumps that happened at the beginning. And I think that they crafted an idea for telling Star Wars stories that they didn't have a direction for um, starting out. And I'm not just talking about the sequel trilogy. I'm talking about all of the, everything's going to be canon and... um it's all going to fit together and all of this stuff. I think they had this big idea without thinking about the particulars of it. But I also don't necessarily think that that is Kathleen Kennedy's job. I think she directs and hires the people who are supposed to do that. So does at the end of the day, the failure of that land at her feet? Absolutely. But I don't want it to come off as Kathleen Kennedy is the only one doing wrong here because that's just not how, how uh, production studios work. And I've said before, and I'll say again, I think the biggest mistake that they made was doing the sequel trilogy. I love the sequel trilogy. I love the characters. I'm going to get a Kylo Ren tattoo in less than a month now. Like, I'm there for it. But it also was, there was just too much pressure on it. And so when it didn't do everything that everybody wanted it to do, 
then you take the tar- you take the polish off of of the rest of the things that are happening and your mistakes because you have one big glaring mistake your smaller mistakes start to weigh a lot more also right and so i there's this this conversation out here about let John Favreau run it, let Dave Filoni run it, but creating stories and producing and running a movie studio are very different things. And I think that on the on the TV side of things, she has done a good job of going, well, these guys know what they're doing, so I'm just going to let them do their thing and get out of the way, and they can basically ask me for whatever I need. But on the movie side of things, I think there needs to be that. I I feel like Star Wars works better when you have more of a singular vision. Not a purely singular vision because obviously even going back to A New Hope, like you had Marsha Lucas, you had you know all these other people, Destrial Light and Magic and all of these people helping to create how the story was going to be told. But George was, was where the buck stopped. Um, even in Empire, like there you had a singular vision. Like all of it was... Not that he had the full story laid out, but he was the one making the final decision on these things. So therefore, like, it was it was consistent um, in, all right, this is the person that it falls on. And that's where we're at with the TV shows with Dave Filoni and Jon Favreau. Like, if it fails, if Book of Boba Fett comes out and it's a f- complete flop, or if god forbid ahsoka comes out and fans of the clone wars and rebels don't like it like it's gonna you're gonna put that all at dave filoni and john favreau's feet so that said all of that to say that's the mistake they've made on the movie side they've got it figured out on the tv side more or less they've got it figured out on the books and comics side because the bulk of it is high republic right now and we have our team of people who is creating that Right, but people generally don't care about books. I mean, when it comes no, no, to no, no, getting no. signed, nobody's talking books. Nobody's no, like, no, oh, that's yeah, fair. She can run, yeah, that's fair. No, no, no. But I say that because they've got it figured out in those two areas, so it doesn't make sense to me why they don't have it figured out in the movie side of things. We have somebody living, breathing, walking the face of this earth who was promised a trilogy, who wrote, directed, produced. One of the greatest, I'm going to, I'm just going to be straight up and say it, one of the greatest films ever made. I will put The Last Jedi there. It is one of the greatest films ever made. You may not like it. You may not like what it did for certain characters, but it is a absolutely well, almost perfectly executed film. With zero problems, next to zero leaks, like literally completely divided the fans. Okay, and which is not her fault. No, I have it, my own points to make, so I'm going to let you make your points. But 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 also, you're not going to please everybody. George wasn't interested in pleasing everybody. Marvel is around to please everybody, and that's fine. I hey, freaking a win, love man. A win is a win, a hundred percent. But that is not what Star Wars is for. Star Wars is for telling the hard stories. It's for making us face our own flaws. It's like all of these things that Ryan Johnson gets. He understands it. He executed on it. If we want to go back to the George Lucas, well, George Lucas said he loved the movie. So other than the fact that we are apparently placating to fans who yell a lot on Twitter, but are also still giving you their money because these people that are going and hating on Last Jedi are buying all of your Rose things. They're buying movie tickets to go and just look at all the things they hate and find all the things wrong with it. So it's helping your bottom line. It's putting out good films. It's still talk like how many how, how often does, does Rise of Skywalker come up in casual conversation? Not that often, unless it's like... Negative? Yeah, unless it's negative. Last Jedi, we still have debates on it, on this show, on other shows. So explain to me why we can figure out Dave Filoni and John Favreau. We can figure out Justina Ireland and Claudia Gray and Kevin Scott and 
everybody there, Daniel Jose Older, Charles Sewell, like we have that figured out of put the things in a set person's hand or group of people's hands, create a singular vision and go. And yet we have these people. We have Ryan Johnson. If you want to expand out of that, we have Taika Waititi. We have Bryce Dallas Howard. We have these people who have proven themselves as Star Wars creators. And we can't get a movie off the ground. Because, I'm, I'm just going to say it, because Kathleen Kennedy can't get on board with her directors. That's why. She can't get on board with her directors. That's why you're having this problem. And when it comes to Kathleen Kennedy, dude, like it makes to me as as much as everybody thought I would, you know, say this is uh, outrageous, ridiculous. No, it makes total sense why she is uh, why she got signed on again, because new CEO, Disney's CEO, Bob Chapek, uh, you know, one, he's not, he's looking to start being CEO. He's only been in the seat for a year and a half. He's not looking to uh, ruffle any feathers or start a new complete regime while he's still getting his bearings. But also you can't deny that when you look at her, you know, Force Awakens is still the biggest selling uh, movie in America right now. It made $2 billion. The Last Jedi made one. Rise of Skywalker made a billion. Uh, Rogue One, a side movie, made a billion. And the only one that didn't was, you know, was uh, Solo, which was just a, a lot of things as well, which we'll get to that mistake right there too. Um, but she also is the reason why, I mean, she signed on John Favreau, and she pointed Favreau to, um, to Dave Filoni and said, "Hey, I got this guy. You know, you know him, but let's let's get in a room and let's talk to them." She is the reason for all of it. And when a leader succeeds, everybody praises him. Everybody praises Kevin Feige. But when he, if he fails, which he hasn't really yet, he'll get all the hate. And to get back to your point. The reason you will never see a Ryan Johnson trilogy, it's still on the site, but you'll never see it. I, I, I'll put money down. You will never see it is because she is too reactionary with her filmmakers and with getting on board with her directors. Now, if you want to look at the list, man, right now, just in the list alone of issues with directors and failed problems, Josh Trank. Colin Trevorrow, who was signed on years before The Rise of Skywalker was happening, had a full script, comes out with the Book of Henry, and she gets rid of him. Lord and Miller shuts it down and meet, like, in the point of while they're shooting, shuts it down. Doesn't have a grasp on her story. Gareth Edwards, you know, they said it runs smooth. He he put his name on the, on the bill, but the rumors say that Tony Gilroy shot most of it, and they locked him out of the editing room. Patty Jenkins can't get on board with script. Benny Offen Weiss say Old Republic, and then leave well, well, let's her. let's let's yeah. I was gonna say Benny Offen Weiss is that's not Kathleen then, Kennedy's fault. Well, bullshit. They leave for a Netflix deal when they could have made a Star Wars movie. No, no, no. They left for like a hundred million more dollars. Oh, come on. The chance to do a Star Wars movie with the money alone and the notoriety of doing it would have... I mean, they were going to do an entire... Repu- they were going to do a whole trilogy. You mean to tell me they wouldn't have made $100 million off of that over time? And then not to mention the Obi-Wan. How that was supposed to movie be a movie. And then got chopped up. And then she announces Ewan. Hey... I, I'd love to, Kathleen. We're going to shoot January. And then they didn't have a script ready. They had script issues. And so they had to halt production and reset into something else. These are all issues that we're having on the film side. And it's because we can't get on board. And while I'm saying Kathleen Kennedy deserves to be in this spot right now as the head because the money makes sense. And Bob Chapek so far as a CEO of Disney... I'm not his biggest fan, but he follows the money trail. So she's in. And you can't argue with the global phenomenon that is the Mandalorian. But on the film side, even running the Star Wars podcast, if we get an announcement that um, Steven Spielberg is going to do a um, Knights of the Old Republic series, I'm not buying it anymore. 
Because there's been so much issues with these films, it's hard for me to even get excited about it. How can I talk about this with the people listening here today, knowing that the odds of it happening, actually happening, is a 1, 2, 3, 4, 5, 6, 7, like a uh, 7 out of 10 chance that it's not going to happen? Here's here's my question. Is, is this completely Kathleen Kennedy's fault? Or is it more a symptom of, I guess, Marvel, honestly, uh, where because if you look at like once Marvel started doing this whole cinematic universe thing, did it extremely successfully, everybody else goes, oh, well, let's start doing this whole thing. And DC blew it. Uh, there was the uh, the monster verse that they were trying to start with tom cruise it's universal yeah yeah universe like pretty much every one of those has more or less been a failure um unless it was already like an established thing like a star wars or hey sony's spider verse is kicking off real good right now okay making 90 million in a pandemic and and also because spider-man yeah, I, I will. I, but that's just Venom right now. Like we don't have. I would not call that a, a cinematic universe yet. When you have one major character. Hey, Morbius is coming soon. Coming. So I hey. will. I will say the jury is out on that. But you have again going to your point of you have all these failed projects. You have all these failed universes. You have all these failed reboots and all of this stuff. And that's. A, a reaction to what Marvel did with the cinematic universe. Okay, so what else has Marvel done? Marvel started this thing where we're going to announce movies three, four, five, ten years out. We're going to announce TV shows all these years out. But That's, they've all worked. They've except all... For, except for the Ant-Man that was supposed to be run by... Shit, what's his name? I forget. The guy who did Baby Driver... Um, irrelevant. That's the only thing that got pulled well, and the Inhumans. 12 years. And Inhumans eventually came out on TV. Stink bomb, but yeah. Sure. <laughs> uh, Eternals had been in the works for years. I think at one point it was supposed to be a TV show. Now it's out. I haven't seen it, so I'm not going to say I've seen mixed reactions to it, but I'm not going to say one way or the other whether that's a failure or a success. But you have all these announcements. Here's the difference between Marvel having all of these announcements and Star Wars having all these announcements. And the danger of having these big properties being compared to each other um, in terms of how they should be run. Marvel, you have content already for your movies and for your TV shows. Yeah, you can adapt it, you can change it, you can do all these things that they've done for it and that's completely fair. That's artistic integrity. Like all of that stuff is completely fine. But you have a foundation for the story you're already going to tell. The Infinity War story had already been told. The Avengers story had already been told. Maybe not exactly the same way. Maybe not with exactly the same story beats. But you had these foundational elements of here's the characters. Here's the major things that are going to happen. Here's the stakes. When you go and you start announcing these Star Wars projects, like a Ryan Johnson trilogy, I just I will be fair, I'll throw that in there. You have a Rogue Squadron movie that you aren't really announcing what it's about or even what time period it's in. Uh, you have a Taika Waititi film that we still know nothing about. You have a, let's go back to years, Benioff and Weiss, where we're having... Uh, nothing about it. We have Colin Trevorrow announced, even though we don't even have seven out, let alone eight, and we don't really know where the story is going to go and whether he's the right one to carry it. So I think it's more, and again, like Kathleen Kennedy has to, she's the leader, she has to take some of the brunt of this. But when you look at the larger Hollywood universe or Hollywood, you know, sphere i think it's more of a symptom of this culture of needing to know things all these years out so that we can talk about them and fuel these podcasts and stuff like that guilty as charged okay i want to say that i'm not calling other people out without calling myself out where we have all these things we want to talk about and so 
they started making all these announcements so you can make these big announcements and get people hyped for years. Okay, but, but they showed Patty Jenkins on a fucking runway saying how her dad was a pilot and how important this is to no, her, no, no, I, Star Wars. And then it just, that's part of the investors meeting and it doesn't fucking happen. Right, but if you're not announcing that until you have a script ready to go and you're about to start shooting or... Even better, you don't announce it until after you've started shooting and you know this thing is going to be a hit. You know this thing is going to have follow-through on it. That's what we need. I'm not saying don't do those. I'm not saying don't make those announcements. I know you aren't, but I'm saying, and I'm, I'm, I agree with you on that. Don't make any fucking announcements until the film is like already in production at this point when it comes to Lucasfilm because I'm, I'm, I guess like... I understand why she's getting the extension, all right? She's done an impeccable job with Star Wars despite our nerdy asses disagreeing about certain key things. You guys that are listening, you're, you know, a, a very small percentage of people in the world that know about this stuff. So for us, it can be a lot more frustrating. But when you look at the money trail, the money trail is there. It's just as a reputable company, I mean, like uh, 2016, uh, Batman versus Superman, uh, you know, DC saying we're getting a Nightwing movie and then we're getting a, you know, we're going to do Dwayne Johnson's Black Adam and then we're going to do uh, Batgirl and then we're going to put a Robin movie in there. And they, they announced all these things that were just like, let's see what shit hits the top. And then BVS happens. People are conflicted. They don't like it and they tear all that shit down. Okay, that that's a pretty big thing in Hollywood. But the problem is this is Star Wars. This is almost Teflon. And you can't just keep doing this thing where you announce directors. I mean, like that's her job. And and you you may have said, "Well, like how is this her fault? You know, maybe there's somebody that's signing, you know, writing the pens that's just shitting the bed. Well, it's still at the end of the day, it's her job to say, okay, uh, Rick McGrath, uh, I just made that up. Um, Rick McGrath, don't look Rick McGrath up on Facebook. He's probably a nice guy. Um, you keep shitting the bed when it comes to these Star Wars stories and they keep falling through. You're fired. I need to get Jimmy Schmitz in here. That's still her job to make those calls. And it seems very reactionary because Patty Jenkins did the whole Rogue Squadron announcement when she was a rock star. And then Wonder Woman 2 comes out, and we didn't really hear much more. We heard a slight rumor that Kenneth Branagh might be doing a script for it, but that was it. And then before Eternals came out, everybody, Kevin Feige, rumored to have Chloe Zhao be the director, a Academy Award-winning director, by the way, wanted to do Star Wars. Eternals comes out, that in variety shot down. She is not doing any future Star Wars stuff. Not that they said that she was ever doing it, but there was buzz about it going around. It's a very reactionary thing. Benioff and Weiss get signed to do this Star Wars trilogy. Then the final season of Game of Thrones comes out. Whoop, fucking pull that. Colin Trevorrow, for years, even wrote a script, which, to be fair, I like that script way better than I liked Rise of Skywalker. I'm sorry, that's my opinion. Whatever comes out with a small little indie film book of henry gets pulled it's reactionary and we if we're gonna if kathleen is gonna continue she's got to vet her directors and get on board because as a star wars fan it's getting really exhausting getting excited for these films only to have them be ripped away from me yeah i mean i agree with you 100 percent on that um i think for me, the question is, all right, why are the shows never getting canceled? Why are the shows having follow-through? To be fair, there has been one, but we all know the reason why that thing got canceled. That's a, a completely different That's thing. That's a completely different thing with a completely a random – well, I mean, technically not. They should have vetted her before they decided to make her a star of the show. To be fair, I, they – you know, that would have – we – should have known a lot of things about a lot of people uh, and right. the pandemic exposed it. So we'll, we'll give them a pass on that. I'll one. give them on that one. Absolutely. Yeah. So sans that 
Ahsoka, they had a story to tell coming before they announced that they had it coming out. Acolyte, they had a story they were going to tell. They may not have the scripts, but they had the the plot arc or the general outline, right? Um, you what what else do we have going on? Obi Wan obviously is an adaptation of the book Book of Boba Fett is probably an adaptation of whatever film the idea Josh they Trank film. Yeah, but still, you have these things in line and ready to go before you're making the announcements like book of boba fett had to all like be written and ready to go and start shooting pretty soon after uh mandalorian season two and you announced that at the end of mandalorian season two right so what again this goes back to what we were saying before but it's a symptom of the problem with Kathleen Kennedy's, you know, reactions, I think you said it nicely, um, but also with Hollywood right now of, all right, well, how much do you hear about the production of you or the production of Stranger Things? Like, you're not hearing the same level that you're hearing with Star Wars um, for these shows. And even for the Star Wars shows, you're not getting, like, we're getting leaks of Obi-Wan because it's Obi-Wan, but you're not getting, like, a lot of uh, production shots from uh, Book of Boba Fett. Like, I literally am, I have Ahsoka tattooed on my body, and I haven't found, you know, leaks for, for what's happening there. You know, and, and I think that's what, that's the thing that really frustrates me is we live in this this world where the TV side of things and the movie side of things are more similar than they've ever been before. You have shorter TV shows, you have longer movies, you have them using similar technology and all of this stuff. So why are we not doing the same process? Because I'll tell you why. Because John Favreau hasn't shit the bed yet. Right, but you you got it right there so like why are you not finding that person ryan johnson who can tell a story and get over the the damn uh fan reaction bullshit because it's money man mando unified mando unified everybody right they're not gonna go back into that shit storm really and And, and, they're not gonna use his name okay fine so take somebody else like I'm, I'm throwing Ryan Johnson out there because I'm not getting off that bandwagon until the thing burns down and I am ash. Okay, but find your guy, but don't announce shit until you have found your guy or your girl or your non-binary. But right, like find your individual and ride or die, man. Like why are we do we're doing all this because you want to? Please everybody, stop trying to please everybody. Look at the great stories that have been told. They're not here to please anybody. They're here to tell you a story that that you need to know to be able to understand life better. The Odyssey, the the Iliad, Beowulf, like they're not, Shakespeare did, like Shakespeare would be as close as you could come because he was more pop culture in the time but these mythologies that star wars is supposedly modeled after they didn't give a shit about your feelings they didn't they cared about what the story was that they were telling and the points that they were trying to convey shakespeare was marvel Marvel is Shakespeare. They are pop culture. They are fun. They have lessons. They take you on rides. They are fantastic, and they absolutely should be studied, and I use both in my classroom regularly. But they are not mythology in the same level of the Greek god stories, of the Odyssey, of the Iliad, of Beowulf, of fucking Star Wars. Right, but we can't sign people... And keep them along long enough to even get their script out. And this is something that I'm telling you right now, uh, 11-17-2021. If The Mandalorian Season 3 shits the bed, which obviously I don't have any... I don't have any inkling that it's not going to be anything short of what it was. Like, I, I, this, I'm just saying, if, what if? If Mandalorian shits the bed, I guarantee you start hearing problems with John Favreau and Kathleen Kennedy because that's how she's been she's very reactionary and we just the reason why you're seeing such success on the TV side 
is because one, these these uh, showrunners know how to tell a compelling story that is rich and complex that everyone can at least see the positive side of it. Um, you know, and but there has there would be a reaction if there's a problem with Mandalorian season three. I guarantee you will hear it because there's just that's how it's been over there. And I agree with you. The Last Jedi was a very good film. I agree. I would love to see Ryan Johnson do more. I don't think he ever will, and I don't blame him, though. And it goes to the point of, I think he wanted to make his movie. But when J.J. sets up a big mystery box, and fans' expectations starts rolling, I mean, even if, like, say uh, Ryan did Rise of Skywalker... I guarantee that would have been a completely different conversation than what we're having now because at least two of the movies would have fit in together. And it would have elevated Ryan's movie because I'll tell you right now, when it comes to me and the sequels, I, I love the characters. I, I love uh, – I, I still love Kylo Ren. But all the rest of them, it's hard for me to watch because I could – every time I watch these movies, I'm like, man, there's no plan here. And The Last Jedi is still the shining light out of it because at least it was somebody taking an original aspect uh, to these characters. So there's, I agree with you. The Last Jedi is the only film out of that series right now that still has merit and value to me because everything else just seems like it was made for consumer. Right. And to stick and it together. And it sucks. It, it does. It does. And, and so... Ah. Hopefully this this comes across. Well, it's scary, but I think the the bigger issue is is in coaching and in leadership, right? And I think you know Kathleen Kennedy obviously has much more of a track record than I do running Hollywood studios. So I'm not going to sit here and be like, "Oh, you should be doing it this way." But as somebody who is is I've spent a lot of time studying leadership and stuff. One thing that's always stood out to me was a book I read by Bobby Bowden, who was the coach of Florida State, won multiple national titles, uh, top program like in the '90s, early 2000s for you know ever, right? Extremely successful, one of if not the winningest coach of all time, depending on if you count Joe Paterno's uh, records or not. He said, and this has stuck with me since I was literally like 16 years old and I read one of his books. He doesn't coach the players. He coaches the coaches and the coaches coach the players. Mm-hmm. So the problem is not the directors not being able to make films. The problem is the coach is not directing the directors on what the expectations of those films are. And there's a time and place in art where you do go, you know what? You're really good. You do what you do. So to keep the sports analogy going, you're not coming into Tom Brady and being like, hey, I'm going to have you run this system. You say, hey, Tom, you do really well at this. What do you think? Okay, here's how I think we can improve it. Here's how we can mix it up. Oh, that didn't, like, you work with it. You don't come to, you know, uh, great players like Kobe or Tim Duncan and try to get them to build into other people's systems. Not that they can't, but that's just a waste of your resources. You build around what you have instead of trying to fit what you have into what you want to do. And I think that's the major disconnect that's happening right now is in the film side, in the publishing side, they have their coaches that are running their systems and those systems are working. And so they're staying out of the way. We need to have a movie side where you have a system that is being run and it's being run in a particular way that keeps the stories connected, that keeps a certain feel that I think we're too concerned on the movie side of things starting to feel the same. Look, just purely from looking at Book of Boba Fett, uh, the trailer and Mandalorian, it feels like it's it's the same thing. You know what I mean? Like aesthetically, it's like the right. same thing. You you can very easily pair those together in a way that you can't pair together Force Awakens and Last Jedi and Last Jedi and Rise of Skywalker. Bad Batch and Clone Wars and Rebels 
feel the same. Why are we not doing that on the movie side? Because every Marvel movie feels the same. So if really what you're trying to do is just be Marvel 2.0, then why are we not doing that? Or are you trying to be an indie film studio that's letting people make whatever they want that's not concerned about the bottom line? Because, there, again, this is a situation where there is no middle, middle ground. You have right. to either say, hey, here's the cookie cutter. Make that and make us money. Totally fair. I love Marvel. It's the biggest thing in the world right now. It is a common vernacular that we all have. Or are you going to go old school like George and here's your movie. Do whatever you want with it. And we're going to stay out of the way. But we can't have this where's the happy medium because it doesn't exist. I I don't necessarily agree with that, though, either. Because I think any any film can show depth, original storytelling, and still be a success. I mean, look at, look at um, what is it, not Insidious, uh, Inception. That's a no, complex story that... that, that I'm, but see, I'm not saying... Schindler, I'm not saying that com- that that cookie cutter stories can't be deep at the same time. What about Schindler's List? That's a very deep story that is wildly successful. Right. Um, I'm saying that like any good and, and any I good think Winter Soldier is deep. I think Endgame right. is deep. Like you can have deep in these popcorn Hollywood films. Maybe cookie cutter wasn't the best term for it, but you can have these popcorn films that have depth to them. That's why we rewatch them. But I'm saying in terms of how you're filming it and how you're running your studios, either I want a blockbuster, here's how we make a blockbuster, or I don't care how much money we make and how much popcorn we sell, make us uh, the movie that you think is important for people to see. And, and somewhere, like one of those has to be sacrificed in order to get what you what you're what you're wanting you just have to figure out what it is that you're wanting and i think that's the problem with that side of things is either she doesn't know what she wants she's not a uh, kathleen's not able to communicate to the different directors what she wants or i don't like again i'm not running the studio i can't really speak to how it should be run save for I'm looking at it at the outside and going, all right, here are these other data points to compare it to. Like, I don't know how to make that happen. I just know it needs to happen. Right. Well, I mean, I think it's, I, for me, I think it's just, you know, sticking to a plan and following through with it. And, you know, it's, it's one of those things where she is, according to Steven Spielberg, he said that Kathleen Kennedy is the number one producer in Hollywood. And if you look at her, her track record, she absolutely is. But being, it's like you said at the very beginning, though, being a studio head and a producer are two different things. When you have one movie to worry about versus the next five years, that's a different story. And when you're particularly not dealing with Star Wars, she can drop someone off a Jurassic Park movie any day she wants and nobody's really going to care but when you do multiple on star wars films that's when it kind of gets a little dicey and you know to get around about i i don't know what the film side is going to be but i will say i am thankful for the tv side because there's a lot of buzz uh i just as a fan i'm not completely a against kathleen kennedy i'm just tired of these announcements of and she's doing them publicly man it's not like this shit is leaking this is public stuff that we're announcing stuff and we're throwing out the fireworks i just wish that shit would end because i i want to talk about star wars if somebody drops something new like taika watiti ends up doing old republic i'm not saying that at all but I want to be able to have fun and talk about it. I'm tired of like worry, being worried that everything that we talk about here is for nothing on the movie side. It sucks. Yeah, it does. I mean, I can't disagree with you there at all. And But without sounding negative, the future is very bright on Star Wars regardless. I, I don't want to end things on negative notes. At the very least, um, 
while the film stuff might be in question with her reign and everything that's going on, we do have a pretty bitchin' slot of TV shows. And these are some shows that I couldn't even think up on my own. Like, I, the fact that we're getting Ahsoka is insane. The fact that I'm getting Obi-Wan, I would have preferred Obi-Wan as a TV show over a movie any day. This is huge for me. The Acolyte is getting so much rant, like, not random buzz, because it is a very intriguing concept, but that's getting a lot of buzz around the Hollywood circuit, the show circuit right now. Um, and the Book of Boba Fett was a random one that was kept under wraps, uh, that just kind of got into our laps uh it's an exciting time to still be a star wars fan and we do have to give kathleen credit or kathleen some of the credit for that so while there are some huge concerns on my end i will always cheers her on and hope that she is um does nothing these next three years but succeed and win because if she's winning that means i'm winning and that's all i want at the end of the day but as Star Wars fans, I think we should have these tough conversations. And what better way to bring you into this show as the uh, new co-host than to, you know, ruffle some feathers and start a little shit? <laughs> I mean, yeah. And, like, I want to make clear, like, obviously Kathleen Kennedy, from from all appearances and all reports, seems to be a fantastic human being. And... You know, it's really easy to sit here behind a microphone and critique what's going on and stuff like that, you know. And obviously, like, we don't have as many things to juggle or to consider or all of those things and what mandates are coming down from Disney and all of... There's, like, a lot of different factors here that come into it. But, you know, we kind of just go into it based on the information that we have. And hopefully, like you said, hopefully we're wrong you know hopefully the the word delayed on the the rogue squadron movies is more apropos than we are considering it to be right now uh you know hopefully the reason we haven't got anything from the tequititi movie besides for like a logo is because they're keeping it under wraps because they know it's gonna like think about grogu kept under wraps huge hit book of boba fett kept under wraps huge hype last jedi mostly kept under wraps huge hit fight me i'm just saying hey no it's it's good so i guess that kind of that kind of wrap us up for tonight because i feel like we're we're if we stick on this for too long we're just gonna end up in the same rabbit hole and uh no, I and I, I and i'm not a fan of the the uh groups with bats uh beat yeah. down Kathleen Kennedy. I think I think at the end of the day like I said this is a uh you know we have our questions um but we also want to keep hope on the on the other end and and we have when we give a negative we do have to give a positive because there has been a lot of positives and I just want to say for everybody listening to Sith Talk um over whether it's just been moving forward when we signed on with Clashing Sabers or before when we were with Adapter. It's been an absolute blast running the show, and I'm so excited that Brandon is on board. I'm, I'm super happy to be talking with you, and, you know, hopefully pretty soon here we will be ramping up to maybe adding, you know, some guests included in our stuff. But Sith Talk for me has always been a, con uh, a show where we talk about the deep conversations that pull the emotional strings. We talk about what really made us love Star Wars as kids, but then we also talk about the stuff we don't like. Sith Talk will continue in this version 2.0 to be a show that will always give you honest opinions, no matter what you guys might think. And it's our job to either make you understand why you disagree with us or why you do agree with us that is the show and it will remain that in version 2.0 so i will say that is the show guys thank you so much for listening to this episode of sith talk um you can find me at sith talker 25 talking all things star wars workouts barbecue and comic books uh that's where you can find me, Brandon. Where can they find you? And where can they find more gorgeous Clashing Sabers content? 
uh, subscribe to the network on whatever feed you're listening to. You'll get all of our shows uh, all in one feed for free. And uh, if you want to support our literacy initiative, you can go over to patreon.com slash clashing savers and support over there or... And, well, let me not say or. We'll say and. Uh, stay tuned for our fundraiser coming out. We have a we have a higher goal than last year. Let's just say that. And I will say, uh, if you enjoyed our prizes last year, you will enjoy them much more this year. Uh, and if you didn't participate last year, there is no time like the present. So stay tuned for that, um, and that will be on all of our feeds. The links are in the show notes, guys. That'll do it for this episode of Sith Talk. Brandon, may the Force be with you. Always. Hey, looks like you're done talking Sith. Who? Oh, Scion, the bartender. Yeah, he's gone down a couple levels. You're gonna venture down there? Well, there's a few things you should know before you go. Sith Talk, all the Clashing Sabers Network, they ain't associated with Disney, Lucasfilm, or any of their subsidiaries. All these licensed sounds and whatnot all belong to whoever the hell they belong to. We just use them here for entertainment and educational purposes. Look, if you're unsure about something or have questions about what's what, email us at clashingsabersnetwork at gmail.com. And hey, on your way out, make sure you leave us a rating and review. Word of mouth is how people find out about this place. Now, get out of the way, I got paying customers to get you. Jedi business, go back to your drinks.